I'm Alex Delay, and this is Vision Vibes, the podcast that hopes to give you inspiration and tools to live a more satisfying life. This story was originally broadcast on television as part of the interview series Direct Talk. If you enjoy listening, you can head to the NHK World website to watch. You'll find interviews with people from all walks of life. I've been living away from my home country for the past seven years. Every year, over the holidays, I go back home to visit my friends and family. It's always an interesting feeling to be reminded of the environment I grew up in. I remember the culture I share with those around me. I see myself so clearly reflected in their eyes. Today's guest knows that feeling all too well. Zahir Salul is a Syrian-American doctor. When war broke out in his home country, he felt a profound sense of obligation. For 11 years, he helped provide medical supplies to the people suffering in Syria. The experience of helping victims of war moved Zahir. He decided to expand his operations beyond his home country, to people all around the world. He founded the NGO MedGlobal, and when war broke out in Ukraine, his team was among the first to respond. Within a few weeks of the invasion, they were on the ground with suitcases full of medical supplies, helping to organize local medical personnel. What does Zahir think about the war in Ukraine, and how does he plan to continue helping people in need? Let's join narrator Hannah Barnes and find out on today's episode of Vision Vibes. Since February 2022, the Russian invasion of Ukraine has continued with no end in sight. The people of Ukraine have endured numerous attacks on their cities, and shortages of medical staff and supplies have increased their suffering. Daher Salul, president of the Chicago-based nonprofit MedGlobal, has worked on providing medical support since the beginning of this crisis. We ask Zahir Salul to tell us the key to helping people in crisis. In the areas that uh, are under bombing in the, war, in the front lines, you have hospitals that are being attacked or targeted which is unfortunately something that the Russians have done also in my homeland in Syria. So the hospital struggles to deal with this influx of large number of injured patients. So people need to be trained and hospitals need to modify the way that they operate. What we have done in MediGlobal that we've done this uh, mass casualty training. Um, so we send busy trauma surgeons from busy trauma centers in the United States to provide this type of training so that way doctors, emergency room nurses, administrators understand what they need to do to make sure that they can save as many lives as possible uh, within, in the setting of war, in spite of the limited resources and in spite of the disruption of the supply chain. So one of the training that we have done is called point of care ultrasound, which is basically using small devices um, or ultra, ultrasound probes that are connected to the iPad or the, the smartphone. We coordinate with the Ministry of Health in Ukraine so they can, they always tell us, this is a list of what we need. Uh, and then we try to uh, arrange for that, procure that in the United States, and then send that to um, 
our warehouse in uh, Lviv in Ukraine. And sometimes we send them to Poland. And from there in the warehouse, our team will distribute them uh, to the different hospitals that are in need for them uh, on the front line or based on the needs. Salul organized a team of five medical volunteers to join him on a mission to Ukraine within a few weeks of the invasion. They visited field hospitals and medical facilities, delivering supplies and equipment. In just five days, they were able to set up a local network of doctors and nurses. We took with us 167 pieces of luggage. Um, and so when we arrived in Warsaw's airport, we had this pile of uh, luggages. So he had the bus, we had them with us. And then he took us um, across the border uh, to Lviv in Western Ukraine. And we visited several hospitals and, um, and it was very safe at that time. But I mean, you feel the war. You feel the war because, you know, at, at night uh, there's complete darkness. There is no electricity. There is blackout. You cannot get in the city or outside of the city um, because of the curfew. Um, and you hear the sirens several times during the day. People are fixated on their phones, trying to get the information. Um, and it felt like World War III to me. Uh, and this is in Europe. This is in a European city. Lviv is a beautiful city. But outside of that, we visited hospitals, we talked with doctors, and we asked them, how can we help? They told us that you are the first NGO that arrived in the city. So we were very happy to hear that. And uh, in the way back, we helped in evacuating one family. I still remember the name of that child. His name was Timothy. He was uh, 12 years old and he was um, fleeing from Kiev, from city near Kiev with his family. The Russians opened fire on the car and his mom, his grandma, uh, bled to death in the field. There were no ambulances um, to, um, to, to take care of her. And she died. Uh, his cat also died. Uh, he had fractures. His aunt had fractures. His grandpa had fractures. Um, and um, it, uh, we took them to uh, local hospitals in Poland, in Lublin. And he was completely traumatized, similar to the children I've seen in Syria. I mean, nothing different. You know, when you're traumatized, you're traumatized. Uh, and especially in the faces of children, it shows. And he told me to tell the story. So these things stays with you when you go to um, a place that are going to disaster. And I, I think these children keep bringing me back. Uh, they're, they're, you know, the, the picture and the images of their faces, whether they are in Syria or Gaza or in Yemen or in Ukraine, uh, to these places. This is not something that you're trained in medical school or training, uh, but you are using different parts of your brain. I think it's the importance of uh, pushing the envelope um, the importance of taking risk. Without taking risk in life, you're not going to go anywhere. Uh, and the importance of, um, you know, networking, getting to know people who you don't know whether they will help you or not, and how to trust this person. You have to talk to the person and then understand and look at the eye to them. And it takes me two to three weeks to get back to my balance after I come from medical missions, because all of these things that you have seen, I have seen, the stories and things like that, it adds up and affects my mental health like anyone else. Salul was born in Syria, where he graduated from medical school. In 1989, he left for the U.S. to pursue his studies further. 
At hospitals in Chicago, he built a successful career working as a critical care and pulmonary physician. But when Syria descended into the turmoil of civil war, he decided to rush back to his homeland with medical supplies. He didn't know what to expect. So um, from the time that you get across the border using smugglers, this is something that I've never been trained to do that. No one is, but it's, of course, risky business, but you have to do it. I felt that I had to do it. Basically, we had the Turkish guard shooting at us. Uh, we had them putting us um, like in the back of the van and then sending, back, sending us back to Syria because they thought that we are uh, smugglers, not physicians. So how do you help the population now with that who don't have functioning government and don't have functioning hospitals? Um, how to establish a field hospital in a mountain or in a cave? Uh, we ha one of the hospitals that we established was in the middle of cave because hospitals were bombed routinely by the Assad regime. Um, doctors were killed and targeted. Uh, so all of these things were difficult. Um, but, uh, you know, I think retrospectively, I think that's the most important thing that I did in my life. Um, in Syria, after 11 years of war, you have limited resources that affects every part of Syria. That's why we're seeing an outbreak of cholera. Um, it, it reflects basically this. It's a symptom of much bigger problem. Uh, cholera is related to the uh, fact that you don't have clean water uh, anymore. You don't have enough electricity to uh, provide uh, uh, clean water. You don't have enough chlorine. Uh, that uh, You don't have enough education for people to know that they cannot drink from the river. But this is the tip of the iceberg. Um, I think the situation, the medical situation, is much more horrible, but we don't see it in the news. It's not bombs and missiles that are killing people. It's normal diseases. Salul founded MedGlobal in 2017 to help people in crisis across the world with his medical expertise. MedGlobal has provided medical services to about 750,000 people with the help of more than 500 volunteers. In 2022, they delivered more than $6.5 million worth of medical equipment and supplies. All these missions and supplies are funded by donations. Um, the world, unfortunately, is full of disasters um, and it will get worse because of climate change, because of the wars and limited resources and, and water uh, shortage and all kinds of stuff. Uh, pandemics, uh, COVID pandemic. We select the countries that uh, we think that we can have an impact and that we think that we have an access. Um, and uh, the way that we do it, that initially we start with uh, assessment. And then if the disaster will last for a long time, then we hire people from the same country and we establish sustainable program. Because the idea is to build resilience in the local community to weather the storm. Um, we don't parachute in and parachute out. This is actually not helpful. Um, you wanna uh, train, partner with local communities, train them, provide them with medical equipment and medical supplies so they can do things themselves. They can come up with the solution that are better than the solutions that we come out. And this is why um, that's the kind of our uh, modus operandi with MediGlobal. Partnering with local community, providing them with um, 
uh, innovations, with technology, with training that make them more capable to weather the storm, whether it's natural disaster or war situation. Um, some days you wake up and you don't want to leave your bed. I don't want to leave my bed because, you know, there's too many things you want to worry, you're worried about. Um, and sometimes I feel that I can move mountains. I'm a different person now than 11 years ago, um, but I have to continue. And, you know, I find ways to, um, to take care of myself and my mental health and keep going. Salul frequently communicates with MedGlobal's local team in Ukraine to keep up with the needs of medical staff. And then ultrasounds, you just keep on going and providing more and more help. Okay. And last week, we have donated three ultrasound devices. For Salul, the Ukrainian crisis is looking more and more like Syria. And he worries about the possible deployment of chemical weapons. I can draw a straight line from the Syrian crisis to the Ukrainian crisis. And many people can do that, can connect the dots, that because we allowed Russia uh, to do what they have done in Syria, uh, and, and they admitted themselves, there's all kinds of things that can be used, um, unfortunately, in the war. And this next phase of the war could be more brutal. So civilians may be targeted more. Um, uh, prohibited uh, weapons, whether it's nuclear or biological uh, or chemical weapons may be used by the Russians. So we have to be prepared and doctors and nurses have to be prepared. Um, they ask us to do training in chemical weapons uh, from the first meeting. Chemical agents in Syria did not kill large number of people, maybe 10,000 people maximum, but it created a lot of um, scare. Uh, and depopulated areas. And that was the reason for using it anyway in Syria, to scare people and to depopulate area so people will flee and then it will be easy for the uh, other side to uh, control this uh, area. And I'm afraid that this will happen uh, at one point in, in Ukraine. But they will need the things for the long term. Um, there's something called war fatigue, uh, and we've seen it in Syria, where after the first few years of the war, People did not pay attention and stopped paying attention, even though that situation now is much worse than five years ago. What I'm afraid of, and I, I think we started to see that, that you will have fatigue, um, war fatigue in Ukraine, and people will stop paying attention. That means you will have less aid going to Ukraine. Humanize these people who are looked at as numbers only, millions of this and millions of that. Um, you know, give them names, give them age, give details about their life when you talk about them in the media. I think that will make a uh, change. Like-minded people can support organizations that are doing good work. So donations, of course, is also always good. Um, advocacy now is much easier through using the social media. After 11 years of working on emergency medical support around the world, what words does Zahir Salul keep in mind to further his mission. Um, children, refugee, risk, and persistence. So children, it's because of the children that I've seen in my medical missions, I keep going back. Refugees, this is the worst refugee crisis in our lifetime. 25 million refugees, 80 million displaced people. We have to do something. Uh, the refugee camps are not a good place to live. Risk. Unless we take risk, we're not going to do anything meaningful in life. So taking risk is good. Taking risk is leadership. Taking, taking risk will help many people. 
and persistence. You know, we have a saying in Arabic that the raindrops will um, create an impact in the hardest stone. Uh, so with persistence, we can do a lot. We can help other people and we can change mindsets. We can change the mindsets of politicians who can make a major policy changes that will help many people. Children, refugee, risk, persistence. For his parting words, rather than choosing an inspiring quote or phrase, Zahir picked four ideas. The ideas that move him to continue working for the good of humanity. If you're like me, living a safe and comfortable life in a stable environment, it can be difficult to imagine what drives people like Zahir. He was already doing good. He was already a doctor. Yet still, he felt the urge to do more. It's a phenomenon we've seen again and again on this podcast. People who have improved their own lives, overcome hardship and become successful, will then go back and help others do better. Zahir recognizes that we live in troubled times. As he mentioned, children around the world are caught up in war and conflict. We're experiencing the worst refugee crisis in our lifetime. Risk and persistence might just be the only way to avoid World War III, the only way to give the children of Ukraine and other war-torn countries hope for a brighter future. His courage is a question to the rest of us. Are we doing enough? taking enough risks, or could we do a little more? The answer will be different for each of us, but for me, I suppose I could. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. You can find the transcript as well as our other stories on the NHK World website. I've been Alex Delay. Join us next time for more mind-expanding insights from inspiring people on Vision Vibes. <laughs>